Welcome to the seventh episode of the second season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. This season's theme is a celebration of life, and we're fortunate today to have Lynn Machado on the program with us. Today's show is for the love of Marlise. Lynn's daughter, Marlise Munoz, died November 26, 2013, probably from a pulmonary embolism. A hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, mandated her deceased body be placed on life support because she was 14 weeks pregnant at the time of her death. The hospital, John Peter Smith, felt they were following a little-known law because she was pregnant. Her husband and her parents sued the hospital to have her body removed from life support. The judge ruled in the family's favor. Marlise left behind a husband, Eric, and a baby boy, Mateo. Lynn's story is about informing the public about this little-known law and working on getting that law changed. A documentary entitled 62 Days, detailing the 62 days her family championed on behalf of their deceased daughter, premiered at the AFI Meet the Press Film Festival in Washington, D.C. on November 16, 2017. Lynn, welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I'm very honored, Michael. Tell us what happened on November 25, 2013. My daughter, her husband, and Matteo had come over for dinner. Uh, they left at 10 o'clock at night. Four hours later, we received a phone call from Eric stating that there had been an emergency. We rushed over to their house, and I was thinking it had something to do with Mateo, who was 13 months old at the time. Uh, instead, when we got there, we learned it was our daughter, Marlise, was found on the floor unresponsive, and her husband, who was a paramedic and fireman, administered CPR and called the, uh, the 911, the paramedics. They rushed her to the hospital, John Peter Smith. My daughter had a total between 10 and 12 epinephrines, and after each epinephrine, she would code. And I went to the head nurse, and I noticed that she had been very careful on how she worded uh, updates with us, and I asked her, it's, it's bad, isn't it? And she confirmed it was. Uh, in the meantime, they had take, taken my daughter and uh, administered a CAT scan to her deceased body. It came back uh, de- defining the definition of brain dead, which meets the criteria for death. And at that time, we were uh, given uh, quiet time up on the third floor of ICU where we were met with an ER doctor. He met us in the hall and told us that he had just been made known about this little little known Texas law stating that a pregnant patient must not have life-saving equipment removed. We had mentioned that our daughter was a paramedic. Uh, she had seen many different kinds of, of incidents and trauma and the effects on the family. And she was always telling us and that she would never, ever want to be placed on life support machines. She even had a DNR sticker placed on the back of her paramedic badge. Had she been in an accident, then they would know. What we decided uh, was that very quickly that our hands were tied. We knew our daughter's wishes. This was never uh, about pro-choice. It was never about pro-life. It was about honoring our daughter's wishes 
to never have her on life-sustaining machines. Do we know who informed the doctor? No, I do not. And uh, I have, I've tried to find out, and that's a question that we've never been able to get an answer to. And I want to ask you something else. Did somebody seriously expect that at week 14, she would stay on life support, deceased, for 26 weeks? Yes, they did. And we kept t- saying, you know, when we had this, we had a meeting with the ethics committee, and then we had a meeting with the CEO and all the chief of staffs. And I had on both meetings mentioned that I understand the intent of the law, uh, uh, but our daughter is not a pregnant patient. Um, our daughter is deceased, and she met two clinical independent assessments of death. They were saying that she was a patient, and you were saying that she's deceased. How could they then, right. with a with the brain-dead patient, say this is a patient? They were trying to gloss over that. A patient is someone that is, is receiving medical care. A person is defined as a living human. Well, our daughter was not a living human, so, uh, and she wasn't receiving care. They were, tr- they were using my daughter as an experiment because, it, as you say, at 14 weeks, the baby is, is well, it was then a zygote, um, is never viable. They're not viable until 24, 26 weeks. And so, in essence, what, they, what the hospital was doing was using my daughter as an experiment. And they told us, we're going to see if she can carry it to 16 weeks, to 18 weeks, to 20 weeks. And, th- and that's when we said, we need help. We need to get a lawyer because th- they weren't listening to us. Did they think that they were going to have a, a birth in, at 40 weeks, that this was going to go all the way to term? That's what they were hoping, or maybe 36 weeks. Um, there have been cases where people, uh, women have, have been uh, on life support at 36 weeks. They take the, uh, she's put on life support. They take the baby by cesarean, and then the woman's taken off life support. But at 14 weeks, there was never, ever a chance for for this unborn to, to have been able to live. What's the time frame for, for beginning life support and getting as far as 36 weeks? All I know is that a baby is not, or a fetus is not viable until it's right around 24 weeks. That was still 10 weeks out from when uh, my daughter died. If a pregnant mother dies, you know, the, the, per, the person growing it inside dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, our, our daughter was without blood flow and oxygen for well mm-hmm. over an hour. And, um, we, they administered, uh, tests, um, almost daily on the, on the fetus. And, uh, there was, there wasn't any brain activity. Mm-hmm. There was deformities from the waist down. They, okay. they aren't even sure it was a girl. The doctors, um, were 85% sure it was a girl, and Eric wanted to to name uh, her, uh, and so he gave her the name Nicole, which is our daughter's middle name. Mm. But um, there were heart problems, and every time they administered a test, there would be more problems that they would they would find out about without a brain, uh, you know, and and then heart issues and and then deformities with with the, you know, the internal organs. So even by some miracle against medicine, um, it, 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 the baby wouldn't have survived. It, there was no chance. 
Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. What we decided was we needed some, some help and to contact some lawyers that would represent us in a lawsuit against JPS Hospital. The doctors were okay with knowing that, that a lawsuit was coming because they were apparently yes, on your yes. side of this. Their hands were tied, and, and they had told us uh, that they did not agree with the um, counsel that was being given to them from the district attorney, and that they uh, were adamantly against what they were being asked to do, but again, their hands were tied. And we said, well, we will let you know that we're, we're filing a lawsuit, but it is not against the, the care. It is not against the doctors or the staff at JTS. It's, it's against the counsel that you are receiving from the district attorney. So they, they knew we were going to sue. Um, it, all of this was in the, the news, uh, it not only was it local and national, but it was international. Um, there was controversy because people were trying to often make it pro-choice or pro-life. And that was never our intent. We said from the very beginning, this is not pro-choice. This is not pro-life. This is about honoring our daughter's wishes for a DNR. And, and we still stand committed to that to this day. Okay, and then you were contacted privately on Facebook by somebody. How did that turn around? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Rebecca Heimowitz, who is a, a documentary filmmaker from New York, contacted me privately on Facebook and uh, had said she'd been following the story and was uh, heartbroken about it. And then she was contacting me to see if I, we would be agreeable to meet with her because she would like to do a documentary on what we were going through. And she felt it was important uh, to shine a light on the present Texas law that gives the hospital administrators the authority to overtly disobey an individual's explicit end of life wishes, which is what my daughter had. There was never a, a second doubt in, in any of our minds, in Eric's or my husband or myself, about what our da- daughter wanted to. And then, um, it was also politically uh, used, uh, our daughter's case was used as part of a, a political and ethical storm against one person that was, uh, was filing for uh, re-election. So Rebecca came out and met with us, um, t- told us in person, you know, this was her vision. Uh, she wanted to try to meet with it and interview as many people as possible, Tom Mayo, who is one of the uh, co-authors of the bill, it, it uh, has gone on record saying that the bill that he co-authored 
is was not for a patient such as Marlies. It was meant for someone that was cosmatose or uh, you know unable to make their own decisions. Um, our daughter was not that. Our daughter was deceased. And yeah, I want to I want to remind the listeners that there's a there's a technical definition here that we talked about in the first segment. She was deceased and therefore didn't fit the definition of a patient, and that's not Correct. necessarily the case of somebody who's comatose. Exactly. Exactly. They had asked the family if they could do a tracheotomy on her. We said no, and they went ahead and did it. They uh, had wanted to put her feeding tube in her stomach. We said no. They went ahead, the hospital went ahead and did it. Why and would they do that? Even, did they think they were helping her? My thought is they were trying to help the fetus, I think. Mm. But it, with anyone that is, with uh, knowledge of child development, there's more to a child's development than just blood and oxygen and, mm. and food. You know, there's hormones. There's other things that are involved. And, um, and again, she, our daughter was being used as, a, as an experiment to see if, in fact, she, her body um, would carry it. And then um, if at, what, at a certain point they would be able to take, take it via cesarean, which it, it never was viable. And so uh, Rebecca talked to us and we, we, uh, we thought about it and we prayed about it and we felt that this was one way of meeting our, one of our two goals in getting the word out and, and informing people about this little known law. We also wanted people to understand and to, to initiate dialogue between uh, a, a woman and a man, you know, not necessarily a husband, but a significant other or, um, uh, you know, the father of a child. The dialogue be initiated what what do I want to have happen to my body if if I'm pregnant if I'm not pregnant and we we had a lot of positive feedback with that. Um, okay, tell me tell me a bit about the film because the film began being I assume she started making it in 2014, so it's been several years. The film is out now. Yes. And how can people see it? Uh, Facebook has a page entitled 62 Days, and after a person likes and follows the page. They'll be kept informed of developments and postings about the documentary, where it's going to be shown, um, as well as other information pertinent for pregnant women. Uh, there's also a website at www.62daysmovie.com. And this website also has a section called Watch the Film, where people can learn how to host a screening or they could purchase the film and then there's going to be three viewings in Texas on uh, Monday, July 23rd in Dallas. It will be shown at 6 to 8 at the Alamo Draft House Dash Theaters. In Houston, uh, the movie can be viewed on Tuesday, July 24th, 2018 at the Rice Media Center. And then in Austin on Thursday, July 26th, 2018, at the Alamo Draft House Dash Mueller. And then other viewings at film festivals are scheduled, and that information will be on the website uh, on Facebook called 62 Days. Well, I think a lot of us are looking forward to seeing it, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of us who have seen it. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. 
Heart to Unite the Globe is a non-profit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. I was five hours old when I had my first surgery. The only advice I can really give someone like that is to be there for your family. This is life and you have two choices. You either live it or you sit in a corner and cry. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. Join us on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time on Spreaker, our blog talk radio. We'll cover topics of importance for the congenital heart defect community. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. I am with Origami L Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, fancydancyme.origamiowl.com. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Has the law in Texas uh, changed yet? Is it, does it look like that's going to happen? It has not changed yet. Uh, I go down to Austin every other year when it's legislative session, and I testify before the House of Representatives. And um, I present my case. We're give, I'm given two minutes to talk. Um, the, what will happen is when it does pass the House of Representatives, then we'll go to the Senate and testify uh, in front of the Senate. And then uh, then we'll have a better feel if the law will be changed. We're, we're hoping. Um, as more and more people see the documentary 62 Days, they're, they're moved by it. It's, it clarifies for them what we went through. And um, I think the more people that see it and are able to voice their, their opinion to their legislators um, and to initiate talk among themselves will even help further the, the passage of getting the law changed. It's probably not a surprise that when we were deciding to take this program on to heart to heart, we had a lot of soul searching within ourselves. And one of the people who works on this program um, called me a couple of weeks ago and said, you know what? Um, I've seen the movie and I don't have that knee-jerk reaction that I used to have and that uh-huh. I've learned from this movie that sometimes you have to consider the other side, that sometimes you have to look at something in ways that you're not used to looking at it. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, some of us are more pro-choice than others and some of us are less. And that's fine. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just simply stating that. But the idea that people could see a film like this, which is a very difficult film and also a very difficult story to tell and to learn from this that maybe we have to look doesn't mean that anybody's changing but it does mean that people are opening up their eyes and their minds and their thinking 
is this a good thing for you? Is this enough? Uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a start because being in uh, Texas and, and the Bible Belt, uh, views are, are very much a, a certain way. And I've heard from categorically everyone that has watched it uh, praise what a fine job the documentary did. It's very objective. And um, it also has impacted women in other states to file suits in their states to help them also uh, get their rights and procedures for end-of-life decision-making in check. And our story and the documentary and Marlise's um, story as well uh, is, is an impetus that got that going. And, and I feel very honored that our story continues to make a difference and have a positive impact. Who else is involved now in helping you to get this law changed? And I'm thinking on a, on a wider basis, not just in Texas. Who else is working to help get this changed? The American Civil Liberties Union of Texas, or ACLU, uh, partners with Re Rebecca, the filmmaker, and has worked tirelessly to help uh, facilitate coordination between ACLU, the filmmaker, uh, us, the, uh, the, we the family, as well as the legislative um, legislative people that we are working with and test that we're testifying in front of. Also, um, Abigail Disney from the Disney family has contributed uh, uh, quite an amount of uh, financial backing for the for the movie. And as part of that financial backing, we received uh, what's known as an impact coordinator. And the job of this person is to work not only with ACLU, the filmmaker, uh, our family, and with Abigail, she's working to best to figure out a way how we can best impact the film and to as many people as possible so that we have as much exposure as possible. Because you're right, the film, it was a difficult story to go through. It's a, uh, it's a difficult documentary um, to watch, but it's, it's objective and it's told from many different angles. And uh, I feel very, very proud of, of the efforts. And um, I know Marlise is looking down and, and smiling. I understand the feedback has been primarily positive on the film. Have you had negative feedback? No, I, I haven't had any negative feedback. Uh, it, everyone has just been, I think, shocked. Um, case in point, uh, someone I used to teach with said, you know, I remember you talking about this and, and hearing it, and but I had no idea until mm -hmm. I watched the documentary what all your family went through. And, uh, you, you know, with the protesters at the hospital and just the, the pure hell that we, that we went through. But it was... Who, who was protesting at the hospital? Who was protesting for or against? Uh, we... Uh, both. Both people were protesting. Uh, one side would be the pro-life, the other side would be the pro-choice. And even when we, uh, when we went to court uh, before the judge, um, there were protesters at the courthouse for both sides, uh, pro-choice, pro pro-life. 
Did they not understand? I mean, you've said it here so many times. This is not a pro-life or pro-choice right. issue. This is an issue about your daughter's dignity that has – Correct. I mean, she was already determined by every definition to be dead. So there's Correct. nothing here to be pro about. Correct. And, and that was that was our frustration. Are they not listening? <laughs> you know, because as you say, it's never been about pro-choice or pro-life. It's, it's you know, she lived her life with indignity and we wanted her to die or have her death be indignity. And she didn't get that. What are you doing now to expand awareness in the public? Well, I'm guest speakers, uh, not only on podcasts such as yours, but I'll be a guest speaker this weekend, June 30th, um, at CJ McKay, who is a former guest of yours at her grief workshop. And a a great friend of our show. We love her. Yes, yes. CJ's a a delight. Um, I'll be showing the the movie or the documentary 62 Days There. Also, when the show is shown, or the documentary is shown in the three Texas cities, afterwards there's going to be a panel uh, in each city. And they're trying to get um, lawyers and uh, someone in the medical field, uh, as well as the documentary. Rebecca Heimowitz uh, is going to be there. Uh, ACLU, uh, I will be there. And so that if people have questions, they can, they can ask um, and not just, you know, be less like, wow, now what do we do? You, you know, there's some steps that maybe people can take. And I and awareness, like, you know, knowledge is power. And I think the more that we can continue to reach out, um, it, it will it will help just facilitate our cause and and you know, it's it's one of her legacies is um, the documentary. Uh, another, another legacy is well, her first first legacy, frankly, is her son Matteo. Mm-hmm. He he's just a he is his mother's son. He has a lot <laughs> of her um, her looks, her expressions, um, but also uh, you know talking in in. Uh, I've been on several panels, I've, and I said that we've uh, been on TV shows with Anderson Cooper and, and Katie Kirk and. Uh, so just, you know, trying to get the word out to as many avenues as possible. You were talking about her legacy. I, I've never met your daughter, and I only know you insofar as we've been together on this program and the meetings leading up to it. But I think I think that her legacy, among other things, and what she's given to her son is um, she's, uh, my mother would say spunky, but I think she's got, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think. A lot of character, a lot of focus, a lot of determination, a sense of right and wrong that can't be beat. And I, I think that she's from, well, from what I can hear from you, I think I know where it came from. I think it came from you. And I can see three generations of that. I'm, I wish you all the best of luck. Um, well, I'll, give you. You now, I'll give you now about a minute to, to close. Um, I know you wanted to give us a quote here, so i let you roll. Yes, yes. Um, I'd like to end with a quote from Robert Kennedy, quote, each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring 
Those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. I can't beat Bobby Kennedy for a closer. So I want to thank you, Lynn, for being with us today. Well, thank you very much for for inviting me to be on your show and allowing me the opportunity to to share our experience and to share about 62 Days, the documentary. I encourage people to get on the website, look it up, and um, and be informed. Thank you, Michael. And this concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Michael. I want to thank you again, Lynn Machado, for sharing your story with us. And I hope your efforts to change the law to honor your daughter have inspired everybody who's listening. Please join us at the beginning of the month for a brand new podcast. I'll talk to you soon. And until then, remember, our loved ones are still with us as long as we keep their memories alive. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories.